This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 21st edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today as our special guest, we have a former pro basketball player, a financial advisor, author, and sports management consultant, Ms. Tawana Smith. Um, I want to give a little background about you, Tawana, before I start uh, asking you all sorts of questions. Uh, Tawana played basketball at the University of Mississippi, where she was a four-year starter. Tawana was captain of the 2003-2004 Ole Miss team. Uh, Tawana earned a spot on the 2003 SEC honor roll for her academic achievement. Tawana got her undergraduate degree in marketing at the University of Mississippi. Now she later got a master's degree there in business administration. Uh, Tawana, I believe, played pro basketball in Spain and the Netherlands. Uh, Tawana started her career at Merrill Lynch. In 2016, she formed the Athletes Nexus, a sports marketing and business management business for pro athletes. Tawana has all sorts of different athletes as clients where she's applied her talents uh, as a financial advisor and sports manager. Tawana is the author of the 2017 book, Surviving the Lights, a professional athlete's playbook to avoid the curse. I had a chance to read the book this week. It's a very readable and practical book that gives athletes advice about navigating through the world of pro sports. A lot of good advice on financial management and other subjects in her book. Uh, I advise listeners to take a look at TawanaSmith.com and TheAthletesNexus.com to learn more about Tawana and her work and her book. Uh, today we're going to learn more about Tawana, her career, her book, and all sorts of issues uh, that athletes encounter. Tawana, uh, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. This is my favorite topic. Um, you know, anytime I'm discussing something that that uh, helps athletes, so I'm I'm really excited to, to be here and speak with you today. Well, we're going to learn about some of your techniques and insights about helping athletes. We want to I want to talk to you a little about about your career and maybe some other subjects as well. Um, you played basketball at the University of Mississippi. Um, I did. How, how were those years? It was, it was wonderful. Um, I grew up in a sports family. Um, I had a, a couple of relatives that uh, were privileged enough to make it to the NBA. And so I got an opportunity to, to be, you know, front row and center for their journey and not just the sports side of it, uh, but the business side. And so it always intrigued me. And so uh, to use sports to get an education and really position myself to also become a professional athlete was really cool. It was really, really great experience. You thought your years college basketball helped prepare you for some other things in life then? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that having uh, that group, so to speak, uh, you know, my cousin and family members, uh, helped me to learn what and how to take advantage of opportunities. And I, I had a lot of peers that were, you know, really just going through the motions. And I realized that happened more often than not. So I'm grateful for the experience I had prior to coming into college so that I was prepared to, uh, you know, deal with the, the uh, scrutiny, the pressure that came, the multitasking that was expected, uh, but to also take advantage of the opportunities to meet and connect with people that could help me along my journey. Well, just learning about your career, Tawana, and your life in my pre-show research, it seems like you were probably a little more mature than probably the average college athlete playing. Um, yeah. Tawana, yeah. so I know you played basketball. Do I have the countries right? You played pro basketball in Spain and the Netherlands, right? Correct. Got and uh, tell us about playing basketball in those two countries, and what, what is women's basketball like in, in Spain and the Netherlands? 
Yeah, it was a, a really good experience. You know, as a, a, a young girl that came up in a small town uh, in West Memphis, Arkansas, is actually where, where I grew up. Uh, didn't have a lot of money or anything. Uh, I was I was extremely blessed to be able to use sports to to not just have a career but to travel the world. Uh, it was you know a wonderful experience, and I try to visit Europe often. Some of my clients are, are actually there. And um, it was it was really amazing to be among so many people that um, you know maybe had a different view of the world and of, of life, and to really broaden my horizons uh, in a sense. And it takes a special person to do that, to be mature enough to live in a in a different place and really embrace the culture. Uh, I learned a lot that I needed to to be appreciative of, right? Things I may have taken for granted before. So it was an ex- a great learning experience. And uh, the sports atmosphere for women uh, internationally um, is on another level than the way it is here domestically in the U.S. Um, it rivals that of the men's side. I mean, they're diehard, loyal fans. They're packing the house out, um, you know, every night in, night out. And, and I really felt like a celebrity, I'd say, <laughs> when I played in Europe. So it was really fun. They're very intense. And, um, you know, it made living in another place a lot of fun. I bet, I bet. Well, that, that's an interesting answer. I, I wasn't uh, sure, don't know much about the women's basketball in, the, in those two countries, and it, it's, I did not know that it was, uh, in terms of popularity, comparable to, to men's basketball. That, that's very oh, interesting. Yeah. By the way, the tapas are pretty good in Spain, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are. They are. It was, it was I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, some of the other places I've visited, you know, you just kind of have to, to get your taste bud, bud acclimated. But um, Spain was really unique. Everything I ate there was good. It was really good. I've just been to Madrid for a couple of days. I really enjoyed it. I hope to explore more of Spain. And I spent a little time in the Netherlands as well. But those, those are definitely interesting countries. So, oh, yeah. Tawana, uh, we have the Seattle storm here in Seattle. And some are the position that the Storm are the most popular of the 12 WNBA franchises. But when I read about the WNBA, Tawana, I see that about 6 of the 12 franchises right now are losing money based on what I've, what I've, what I've learned. Um, do you think the WNBA will ever get really big in the U.S. or it can get more stable? Yeah, I think it's going to definitely take some restructuring and um, one thing that I'm surprised by, you know, being that it's, it's you know, owned and operated in a, in a lot of ways, you know, by the NBA, um, they don't capitalize off of that synergy more because, I mean, the NBA wins either way, right? Um, unless they have some structural changes to the way that they market and promote uh, the game, then no, I don't. And if you look on the other side of it at the collegiate level, uh, women's sports, uh, you know, have a ton of support. And so something is being lost in that transition um, that, you know, it's, it's going to really, really take, you know, some changes, some major changes um, in the way that people perceive and see the benefits of supporting uh, professional women's basketball in the U.S. This is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Tawana Smith, the author of Surviving the Lights, a Professional Athlete's Guide to Avoiding the Curse. Uh, take a look at Tawana's uh, website, tawanasmith.com. Well, your insights about the WNBA are, are uh, very reflective. And I read that the WNBA, that the players only get about 20% of the revenues, while the NBA, as part of their collective bargaining agreement, the players get about 50% of the revenues. Do you think that sort of change could maybe enhance the WNBA in some ways? Yeah, I think it's, 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 it
Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I actually have quite a few uh, players. You know, most of my clients are um, players that play or have played NBA, NFL overseas. But over the past few years, I have had um, a large number of uh, WNBA clients to reach out to me for help, uh, you know, trying to promote their brands and to get more visibility because just relying on the WNBA's alone, um, and I think that's part of it, you know, financially, you do have challenges, which make a lot of the ladies uh, forego the allure of the, I guess, the status of being in the WNBA. Uh, because it's just so difficult. It's so difficult to, to not just make money, but get the visibility. And they'll go overseas for the reason they have the experience there that I described that I had. It's a lot more popular. You're paid a lot more money, uh, you know, as a female athlete in the European and, and international market than here domestically. Well, like your insights, and you have some firsthand experience of having played women's pro basketball and working with current WNBA players. Uh, we're going to move on from this topic of the WNBA, but I do want to throw one more thing in here about women's basketball. There's this great documentary that takes place at my alma mater, Seattle's Roosevelt High School, about women's basketball called The Heart of the Game. Have you seen that movie, Tawana? I have not. I have not seen the movie, but I will make sure that I do. Well, I want yeah. to throw a little plug for it. It's a great movie about women's basketball and competition, so I wanted to throw that name that movie off to you and my listeners as well. This is Paul Schneider again on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, author and consultant and former pro basketball player Tawana Smith. Okay, Tawana, tell us how you got into the area of advising athletes with business management and other subjects. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I suffered an injury, right, earlier in my career when I was in high school, um, a season injury for my ACL. And um, I tell many people that was the best thing that could have happened to me because I saw firsthand how quickly the game could change and life could change, uh, that sports wouldn't be a part of it. And so I always knew that I wanted to be in the business room and in part because I just didn't grow up with a lot of money. Really, with a blue collar family, um, and, and it almost made me wonder about business and finance. And so that was educationally where I. Um, uh, you know, got my my, my uh, education and academic achievements. And so, um, it, you know, I was home training after my second season as a pro. I was approached by um, an alumni from my college, Ole Miss, about joining his team as a financial advisor with Merrill Lynch. And it was a very easy decision for me. I had on these. Um, I knew I couldn't play forever. And here I had the opportunity of a lifetime to start my career, and I knew that I wanted to start it working with athletes. Um, over the last 11 years, as a financial advisor, planner, and in the wealth space, I found myself taking care of all of these other needs of an athlete uh, that has allowed my role to morph into that as a business manager. I don't like to confine decisions to just financial decisions because there are a lot of business decisions that affect an athlete's success. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm licensed and registered as a financial planner, but um Ultimately, I help athletes manage uh, their lives. So, um, you know, it just happened uh, to fill a need. You're more multidimensional, I can tell, with your uh, background as a financial advisor, but your background in sports. You're, you really got a lot of, lot of right. stuff to contribute with, with your clients. Well, Tawana, I did have a chance to read your book, as I mentioned in the introduction. I finished it this week, and it was a very interesting yeah. guide. I, I think I learned a lot about 
dilemmas athletes go through and, and all sorts of subjects. First of all, is it true you wrote that, that book in less than two and a half weeks? It is true. It is true. Um, I've always loved to read. I mean, even now I have like thousands of books that I've been saying, okay, I got to give some of these books away. I've always loved to read. That was always my hobby, even as a very young child. And so, you know, just forming my thoughts and things of that nature uh, really came easily to me. I always performed top 10 in my class and things like that. And so, um, you know, when I sat down, I really made a checklist of things I've seen over the years that needed to be addressed. And I just, started writing from there um you know I was pregnant at the time with my daughter and so it was a very easy um I had a lot of time let's say that <laughs> to put it together but yeah two weeks and and, and it was ready well being pregnant as well when you wrote that book in two and a half weeks yeah I read it when I when I read online as part of my pre-show research you wrote that book in such a short time I was like really I think that's very impressive so uh this right, is Paul Schneiderman again on sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with my special guest, Tawana Smith. So, Tawana, um, I want to ask you a little bit more about your book, and what's the biggest point you're trying to get across in your book, Surviving the Lights? Uh, the biggest point I want to get across is that athletes need to be the total package, and they need to start preparing for that right now. <laughs> if they haven't already, and that is athletically, that's academically, that's from a business perspective, and, you know, on and on and on. They've got to bring more to the table than just that talent and athletic ability uh, because that's the model thus far, and that's why I think so many fail. Um, you know, they make a lot of money. They get to a point that they can really change their lives, their family lives, and really enact some generational and community change. But I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Like, where would they, no pun intended, dropping the ball, so to speak? And I just think that they're just not preparing and looking at being proficient in all of those areas. And that's what they're gotta do, they've got to do for long-term success. Well, important stuff. The, the off-the-court issues athletes go through are, are, are part of the whole, the whole package for a successful athlete. Tawana, one theme in your book is financial literacy, the whole subject of right. helping people do better with finances. And I've read some studies that Americans tend to not generally be very good in the area of financial literacy. I mean, yours truly has some stuff to learn as well. But, you know, I've seen right. poor decisions. I work as an attorney in Seattle. I've seen attorneys make some incredibly poor financial decisions. I've seen all right. sorts of professionals make poor decisions. But when you read about athletes, Tawana, you mentioned this in, in your book, why do you think that over 50% of NFL and NBA players end up encountering financial problems despite their pretty good salaries? Right, right. Well, I think there are two reasons. First and foremost, they didn't grow up in a uh, financially literate environment, okay? And so when you've been there, and I have, uh, you begin to think, and, and I, I covered this in the book, you begin to think that money is the answer to all those problems. You're struggling, you're facing all of this adversity and those obstacles because you don't have a lot of money. And so you begin to put money on this pedestal, right? And when you get to a point that you can make a lot of money, you think that you have arrived, not thinking about what it's going to take to keep that money. And the second part of that answer is because we are, as athletes, very emotional and passionate beings, right? Those things make us great athletes but they make us horrible when it comes to making financial decisions because those impulsive, emotional decisions, um, you know, usually backfire because we don't understand what we're doing with it anyway. 
right? So I think it's a combination of those of those two very powerful things. There's a psychology to it, isn't there? Right, it is. It is, absolutely. It absolutely is. It's a mental game. I think it's awesome. It's a mental game, and sometimes athletes think, oh, yeah, I know it's a mental game on the court and on the field, but no, it's a mental game in life. It's a mental game with your money. And the way that you combat that lack of discipline is by putting in a system or a process to take that emotional aspect out of it. And so that's what I've tried to create, um, you know, as a financial planner and the model that I use, and even through what I teach in the book, is putting in processes to eliminate that lack of discipline. Well, a lot of great insights in your book. This is Paul Schneiderman. If you're just tuning in on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with my special guest, Tawana Smith. And I got uh, my friend and colleague, Daniel Billis, as the production engineer today. Um, Tawana, your book focuses very heavily on athletes, but when I was reading your book, I, I think there's a lot of tips in there that, that can really help a lot of young professionals, actually a lot of middle, yeah. a lot of uh, middle-aged yeah. professionals. I mean, you have stuff in there that I think goes way beyond just assisting athletes. Have you ever thought about expanding your scope and maybe writing some books or doing some lectures on just trying to help uh, regular laypersons with financial advice? Right, right, and it's funny that you say that because uh, a part of my business model that has grown over the last six months has been business coaching um, and, and uh, working with young uh, professionals, entrepreneurs, and even those that, um, you know, just are in the business field in general about applying some of these principles. And the way I look at it is that it's so directly related because an athlete is business, right? There's so many things for them to market and monetize that they face the same challenges and have a lot of the same opportunities as any other business person. So, um, absolutely, that is an area that's growing and looking forward to expanding into. Well, we'll have to stay in touch not to learn more about what, what you're doing. So, Tawana, one thing you write in your book, which uh, is interesting, I don't want to pander to cultural stereotypes here or anything, but you write about a loyalty culture that can occur in African-American communities, about a lot yeah. of players don't want yeah. to feel like they're selling out by, by not helping their friends and family. And I'm sure you agree this this sort of oh, yeah. loyalty culture can occur in other cultures as well. Um, tell right. us more about this, Tawana. And I, and I, by reading your book, you're very, very leery about athletes doing business with friends and family, right? Right, right. Oh, man. That's something I see often that I really warn against anytime you're mixing the business and personal. But, um, you know, again, you know, my book is statistics that I found that were most recent at the time I wrote it were, you know, somewhere between 70 and 80 uh, percent of pro athletes across basketball and football are minorities. Right. And about the same percentage of those grew up in poverty. Okay, sure. Various levels of it. So when you are in that space, and like I said, I had blue collar parents. We didn't have a whole lot. So I definitely understand what that feels like. Uh, when you're down and you're looking around and the people that have had your back and that have been there to support you, even when you had nothing, and that's parents, that's family members, cousins, siblings, when you make it to the top, uh, you know, in, in our culture, we feel obligated to help one another out, to stick together. And, you know, the, the sad part of that, though, is that those individuals that we're looking to assist, they've got to have that same mindset to want to do something for themselves. And most often, you find that it's not that way. They're usually mostly dead weight, to be honest. Um, and so it's a very hard decision when you think about how important the family unit is in the African-American culture uh, to disband that, to disconnect, to cut people loose, to distance yourself from that. However, if you're going to go to the level that you need to, it's something that you have 
to do with everyone is not trying to put their best self forward. You don't have to change, but I tell my clients all the time, I want you to be the best version of yourself um, as possible. So it's a very, very difficult emotional situation that an athlete finds himself in, and a lot of times people overlook the pressure that that puts on them and how it impacts their decision-making. I bet, and I've seen it just in non-athlete circles, situations where a son or a daughter becomes very successful and the family feels, oh, well, Mary or Johnny, they're not doing anything for the family anymore. So I, I, as you mentioned, right. it seems to happen in a lot of different circles, that phenomenon. Right, right. There was a football player recently that, uh, you know, the parent, uh, and I wrote about in the book, I forget his name, but his parent told him that she, he owed her. He owed her a million bucks for raising him. And when you have a kid in that position, yeah, when they're in that position, this is one of the best moments of their lives that could change everyone's uh, situation. And you're put into a position where you're treated as if you are, uh, you know, just a, just a bank. You're only good for what you can produce. Um, it really does something to their confidence, their self-esteem, and their ability to trust others. Sure. Well, I want to get some more feedback from you on the whole subject of loyalty and players with requests to help right. their families and friends. It's, it's very interesting. Tawana, um, do you think the sports unions in the respective leagues to do, could do more to help players with financial management and other issues? Yes and no. Right? I'm going to say yes uh, in the fact that uh, you know, there are uh, different resources they have. However, they can make them a little bit more conducive to speak to all athletes, understanding that some of them uh, aren't really as interested. Honestly, sometimes you have them. I've had clients that will come from the rookie transition meetings with a folder, and they're looking at me like, you know, hey, please explain this to me because I still don't understand. So I do think that there's more they can do in this space. Um, and at the same time, no. Because the athlete bears a lot of responsibility in this process as well, uh, you know, to try to learn and educate themselves. I think part of the problem is that they're used to everyone doing things for them. Um, you know, they have got to initiate this, this process. They've got to show the eagerness to learn and to retain the information, um, you know, and try to make better decisions themselves. You know, the theory of unions is, for, is to protect their membership. So I was just kind of wondering if maybe unions could be a little more hands-on, perhaps, in, in, in helping their, their, their athlete, athlete members. Right, right. And, and I think it goes back to, you know, a lot of the argument that you may hear politically, right? The whole separation, uh, you know, between having a centralized government, so to speak, where they're making all the decisions and, you know, forcing the athletes to do certain things uh, versus them having a little bit more freedom to make various decisions for themselves. And I know sometimes that can be a very slippery slope. Um, you know, can they do more? Yes. Uh, will it make things more effective? Only if the athlete is willing to do their part. I see your point on, on the, uh, the balances there. Well, Talona, would you support anything requiring athletes to be more regulated in their spending? For example, should there be some requirements that rookies need to put a certain amount of their money into, into savings? I, I'm just totally brainstorming with you. Do, do you see any, any ways of sort of helping to regulate young athletes more? Or is that just not practical? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I do think that um, they can be presented with, with various models. Um, again, how they, you know, I think it's got to be a consistent uh, platform though that everyone is sharing because if they have some people around them and on their team that are promoting other things ultimately 
you know, it's their money. It's their brand. It's their career. If they want to mess it up or give it away, they will find a way to do that, no matter how good the intentions of those around them. Um, you know, so, so, but yes, there can be more guidance in that area because, you know, even the whole idea of financial literacy, and as you, you probably have found, you can find that 20,000 different <laughs> financial literacy programs and tips and strategies. And for someone that doesn't know anything about that, they all can look like the answer, but it can be overwhelming to the point that it induces fear. They're intimidated, uh, you know, to even go through that process. So ultimately, I think that this starts earlier. It starts in college for sure. Uh, maybe even programs for some of the, the high school programs. I and that's why I made it a part of, of one that I had as well through Surviving the Life, um, through my strategy system. Um, you know, I really tried to institute it because you got to, you know, it's a process. they got to build up to that, and we definitely got to get to the center. Well, it was up to me, and I was running American high schools. I'd want to have a financial advisor coming into every high school and talking to the kids for an hour or two about just basic financial management. Maybe we'll get there one day. Real quickly, Tawana, we're, we're kind of winding down, believe it or not. I can't believe how quick these interviews go sometimes. But what's your opinion on agents? Do you think all athletes should have an agent? Uh, I'm going to say yes and no. It depends on the athlete. Uh, for an athlete that talent-wise, maybe borderline, or maybe needs a shot, needs a little help getting some exposure, the connections of an agent can help. However, for athletes that really make it their business to learn about the business, about the CBA, and some of the protections, they're already granted. Um, and you, you find a lot of athletes doing this. Uh, they are foregoing having an agent and uh, representing themselves or at least having an attorney, right, because we see a lot of attorney agents that are entering the space who are primarily, you know, sure. lawyers and, and that sort of thing, uh, but they are uh, certified to negotiate contracts. Just making sure they're protected from a from a legal standpoint that has an hourly rate or retainer, which you can always use an attorney as an athlete, versus a commission that could jeopardize, um, you know, or create a conflict of interest. So it just kind of depends on the athlete and how versed they are about the business. Well, real quickly, Tawana, before I ask you about what, uh, what you see in your future, there's an old line in the law that a lawyer representing himself has a fool for a client. I suppose sometimes an athlete trying to do it all on his or her own can be difficult as well. But Tawana, yes. what is the future hope for Tawana Smith? We're wrapping up here. We have less than a minute. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I am looking forward to making some huge changes in the sports realm where we really shift the balance of power to the athlete. Uh, whether it's about money, whether it's about their brand, whether it's about their careers, uh, really help them come to the table understanding the power they bring as the talent in this whole situation to prevent a lot of the exploitation and failures beyond the game. Well, Tawana, thank you so much for coming on Sports and Stuff. Let's stay in touch, and I think you had some uh, great information in your unique field to add today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh -huh.